Before we start this week's episode of Just Saying, we'd like to introduce you to our Riveter. What began as two military spouses armed with a big idea, a sewing machine, and a canvas has grown into a bold movement that provides portable careers to military spouses. To learn more and shop these handcrafted bags, please visit ourriveter.com. Use code BRIEF at checkout for 15% off all signature collection items. Welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick, and I'm your host. And I want to share with you some entrepreneurial lessons that I've uh, accumulated over the years as an entrepreneur that I think might have tremendous value to you. Um, if you're new to the podcast, I'm really happy that you're here. If you've been here before, welcome back. And I, as you may know, I've written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and also a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. And I started a business called The Brief Lab, and The Brief Lab is to help you become a more intentional communicator, clear and concise. What you say matters. You can say it to the point, covering the points that you need to cover, and really driving out all the excess, the stuff that really doesn't need to be said at that moment, and you can deliver the goods. And that's the point of our business, is to help people become a lean communicator, it's a fun business. It's really fun. And I just thought about this topic and I'm like, I think it, it would be really cool if I can share some entrepreneurial lessons. Not because I want you to become an entrepreneur, you might, but there are things that we do in life that require an entrepreneurial spirit. So it might be leading a project or a new initiative, or it might be a, a program within a company or an organization that needs a leader that it feels almost like a startup. Okay. And that, that, the ability to 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 lead in in, a, in an entrepreneurial way, right? Like you're like you're on Shark Tank, and this is your idea. It doesn't mean you have to start a business, though. Some of these lessons may help you if you want to start a business. But if you're leading in that way within a co- company, the same principles apply, right? Um, for me, this has been a really rewarding experience. And I thought about this podcast a number of things inspired me to do this. One is I think just the, the the things that you should be thinking about as you lead and communicate in this role as the leader, as the entrepreneur, um, is I think it's just over the years, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, I've, I've, I've built up sort of a, a, a number of lessons, been doing it for over 20 years, 25 years. Um, it's been pretty cool. And I just kind of look back at my life and, and I really, it wasn't, I don't think it was, and this may sound strange, but I, when I started Sheffield Company as a marketing agency in 2006, um, I, I did it because I just, I felt compelled to, to get out of the corporate big agency world and start my own agency. But it wasn't because I was incredibly confident that I was going to kill it and, and make all this money. No, was, I did it out of necessity more than, than, than anything. I, I, it was something I needed to do professionally and for my family. So I, I did it because I needed to for all those reasons. And I felt compelled, but I didn't really embrace the role as an entrepreneur until later. So, because when you're an entrepreneur, you don't, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, you might fail. Whether you're starting a business or you're starting an initiative, there's no guarantee of success. So I didn't really embrace that I'm an entrepreneur until maybe I had enough, um, you know, time had expired or I've gone through enough experiences to say, actually, you know, and things are, are working out in my favor. But when I'm looking back at my life and my career, um, there's a number of moments that kind of led me to this point where I'm, oh, I am an entrepreneur and I have some lessons that I want to share with you. And I, 
I'll just share a couple of stories, even when I was a kid. So when, uh, when I was growing up, my family had a lake house in Wisconsin. So it was just north of Chicago, a few hours north of Chicago. It was a really, really pretty lake house. And um, my family would always invite up, you know, cousins and friends for the weekend and sometimes for the week. And we spent our summers there. So we would, my mom and, and all my brothers and sisters would be up there and my dad was in Chicago and then he would go back and forth on the weekends. And it was, it was really idyllic. It was an awesome place. And, and uh, so my cousin, Jimmy, um, comes up there one week and he's a year younger than me. And, and funny, st- funny story, but, uh, you know, Jimmy runs out of underwear. Right. So um, I don't know if he did, if his mom told him to pack and he didn't pack enough underwear, like what happened? Maybe he was swimming in it and they got wet. I don't know what the deal was, but the deal was they didn't have enough. And I sold him a pair of underwear for a dollar. Now you're thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. I sold him, you know. Well, that news got out in the family and everybody thought that was hilarious. Like, look at this guy. He's down there, you know, doing deals and selling underwear for a dollar. But to this day, if you asked, you know, like, um, you know the story of Jimmy Flynn and the and the and the one dollar underwear. Everybody, everybody in my family remembers that, and they they laugh. Um, when I was I maybe at the same age, um, I I started a soccer um, a soccer club before soccer in, in Chicago at that time was even a thing. Um, nobody even it was it was nobody played soccer, and I and I called it the Chicago Area Soccer Association. And it was really cool because casa is uh, the Spanish word for house. So um, if you ever look at a soccer ball, if you look at the panels, they're kind of like a, they're like a, it's like a pentagon. They look like a house. So I designed the logo and it was, I guess the, the early learn, leanings towards marketing and entrepreneurship um, about 20 years ago, because I lived in Spain, I came back and I started a, a business to help bring Spanish students to the United States um, called Contact USA. That was kind of fun. Um, I started a consulting business called Aerospace Marketing Development and then ultimately started Sheffield Company, which is a marketing agency that led me to the Brief Lab and then maybe what's next. You know, So that was, you know, I want you to start to think about treating any initiative like a startup. And that's the first thing I want you to think about because these lessons I'm going to share with you are are not just if you're going to start a business, though they certainly will help you if you if you already have done that or are doing that. But any initiative that you start should have the same spirit. These lessons that I'm going to share with you are ones that I've just, and they're by no means a, a, a comprehensive list. The, the things I want you to be thinking about um, are, are just in no particular order, but, but considerations of like, okay, how should I be thinking and communicating in this way? And the first thing on the list is embracing ambiguity, right? So I work with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people in the special operations community in the military and their kind of unofficial mottos, you know, just figure it out. And when you ambiguity is like there, maybe this has never been done before. I remember when I was working at, at this big agency before I started my own, we, I was I was doing these entrepreneurial, like almost startups or initiatives within the agency. These like new offerings and new products. And one of my coworkers, um, she was she was younger than me. It was watching me and my boss do these things. And she, in her mind, thought, like, there was a rule book and we had this manual. That, and she stopped one day and she looked at me and she goes, you guys are just making this up. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. We're just, it's, it, there's no rules for it. We never, nobody's done this before. So embracing ambiguity, like, I don't know. Just We're just figuring it out as we go. Well, that willingness to do that is like, it's, it's huge because you're just testing and retesting and succeeding and failing, but you got to embrace it. That ambiguity is something you got to embrace. And a lot of people can't, but when you, when you let yourself, okay, this has never been done and we're, we're, we're doing something new. You're like a pioneer. 
is something that stretches people in ways that the way I want to know what the answers are. Well, you, you're figuring it out as you go along. And, and that, that becomes very rewarding to embrace ambiguity because once you've done it, well, then there's a way of doing it. But prior to that, nobody ever did it. So you may be in the state where like in my organization, this program, this, this project, this plan or whatever has never really been done before. You're the first person to do it. So you got to embrace that ambiguity. The second thing for me is don't trust your feelings. And when you're doing something, let's say you're leading a program or you're starting a new business or whatever, there's days, there are days when you feel excited when you shouldn't be. And there's days that you feel down and depressed when you shouldn't be. So your feelings can often be misleading. So in this moment of euphoria, you're like, we're doing great. And you should be actually feeling that you should actually be the opposite. So those feelings can be very, very misleading. There was a saying that I heard many years ago, which is the best time to make a sale is on the day that you just made one because you're at this moment of euphoria and then you just stop doing what you're doing. So when you've succeeded, keep on going. Well, your feeling is, well, I just succeeded, so I'm going to stop. So in some cases, don't trust your feelings. You do have to trust your instinct, but those feelings can be misleading. And a way to not trust your feelings is to try to find measures of progress that are real that are tangible and are that are indicative of like okay I'm actually you know gaining traction if you will. There's a book actually called Traction that we use that is a really good book to get you to trust the numbers more and less of your feelings because if you look at it like an airplane, you might be flying upside down and you feel like you're not, or you're in a cloud and you're sideways and you can't you're you're, you're disoriented and that feeling is misleading. Well, the, in, the the indicators on the pan on the, the the indicator panels of the plane will tell you the the truth about what's happening. And this book traction has helped me trust my feelings less and trust like what has actually transpired. Is it an issue or is it a success? Have I walked a mile or have I just spun my wheels? So the, the second thing is don't trust your feelings always. the 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 third thing is for me is everything looks great in Excel. What I mean by that is when you build a plan and you build a model, oftentimes you put it in Excel. You're like, okay, we're going to sell this many units or we're going to do this many things. And everything on paper in Excel looks amazing. If I, if I could somehow magically take all those spreadsheets that have been done over the years and say that they had, that became real, my life would be very different. So when you create a model, when you predict something and when you plan for it, know that it's just, it's just a model, Right. What really hap- what's really happening is what matters more. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't use models, but um, everything always looks better in Excel. Okay. Fourth thing for me is have a boss. Now, that may sound um, obvious or may, maybe it sounds weird. I don't know how you take that. But if you have a boss, it's like, well, of course I have, I have a boss because I have a boss. Well, when you're leading something, you're the leader. It's like, well, I'm the boss. And well... In a startup or an entre- when you're an entrepreneur in your own business, you know, people tell me, well, you're the boss. And I'm like, well, and yeah, but no, like everybody, everybody has a boss. Everybody reports to somebody else. Well, and if you don't really have that, find somebody and put them in that role of, that you're accountable to. Always be accountable to somebody else. Never just be accountable to yourself. Why? Because if you're not accountable to somebody else, you'll make a stupid mistake and you'll think it's a good idea. That feeling that I said earlier, if you don't have a boss, um, You'll do something and you'll think it's the best idea ever. And I'm not going to, that's another podcast of mistakes, but 
there are many mistakes that I've made feeling this like this is absolutely the way we should go. And I've, if I had an accountability of a person like that, it would have been a different decision. That also just when you're when you're communicating these things that you feel very passionately about and you don't have a boss, you really, you're untethered. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And communication becomes kind of like, it's just, I, I don't know. So there's something that um, it's almost humbling to say, okay, I will give an accountability, have accountability to another person. And if you already have that, great, just embrace that. But but know that everybody's got and needs to have a boss in that regard. And for me, for you know, the the fifth thing on this list is say it out loud and watch how people react. Um, in our business at the Brief Lab, we teach people how to communicate. And one of the, the things is that in your head, on paper, everything sounds amazing. Well, if you're doing this initiative, say it to somebody. But tell them what it is. Don't try to sell them. So this is something you've heard me say in this podcast or if you've taken our courses. This expression that I came up with, which is tell me, don't sell me. Well, you always want to be telling people. You don't want to be selling people. So if you're leading this initiative and you find you're trying to sell somebody, well, that's they're going to push back. They're going to react differently. So just try to tell them what you're doing, but watch how they react. You, the words that you use and, and see what the response is and be very open to the response. Don't try to force a response. Just notice the response. And when I've done this, it becomes a really powerful indicator if I'm on the right path or the wrong path. Because I'm not trying to force a person to like the idea. I'm just telling them what the idea is. Well, if they start getting confused or looking weird or they don't know how to respond, it might be an early indicator when I'm saying it out loud to them that what I thought was great wasn't that great. And it comes at the moment of expressing it to another person where you can say it out loud and watch what they do with it. And do that with one person and another person and another person but tell them, don't sell them. And I've seen people do the selling thing and they get excited and the person, they, they, they're so persuasive and so motivated and so excited that the other person gets excited, but they don't understand the idea. And that's not good. So I think for me, one of those entrepreneurial lessons is saying it out loud and letting a person react to it and noticing and, and, and just in, in observing and adjusting how I explain it makes that idea real and it helps me course correct before something gets um, too far down the road in my head or I can't I can't stop doing it so as, as you're doing this um, and you're you know headed down the entrepreneurial path and you don't know what to do now or, or next um, just figure it out just saying